Hello, welcome to Riot Act Reviews, part of the Riot Act podcast, which you can listen to every Friday in full, where myself, Stephen Hill, and my co-host, Renfrey Dedman, who's also here. Hello. Aren't you, Renfrey? Admit it, you're here. I admit it, so I'm here. <laughs> I admit it. I'm Finally, the... he admits it. I'm at the scene uh, of the crime, wherever yeah, crime's going to take place. Usually on a Friday, we talk about all manner of things in the world of alternative music but occasionally we like to review an album and just put that out as is especially when it's an album of uh of significant what's the word profile Rembrandt, yeah I think profile, is the word. and i think standing. we yes and we do have that today today we're going to be looking at future past by duran duran the 15th studio album from the birmingham new romantic legends their first album since 2015's paper gods record which i rather liked at the time i have to say produced by mark ronson and noel rogers was it now interesting yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about them. it was actually the the fourth time noel rogers worked with duran duran he first worked with them on their third album um seven and the ragged tiger back in 1983 that was the one released after like, rio wasn't it it was which has got like the I've reflex the on wikipedia it page <laughs> it has well done he's checked the wikipedia page um he's actually noel rogers and, and mark ronson have sort of tag teamed between duran duran records um for the past sort of decade or so um uh ronson is actually back on this album for one singular production credit he produces track eight on this record wings but before oh. we get into that before we get into duran duran and what's just been going on with them it's probably worth saying renfrey that you and i are coming at this record with fairly differing perspectives aren't we yeah very much so i mean you are i think it's probably fair to call you a duran duran mega fan i fucking love duran duran yeah yeah, I mean they're one of the few bands that we have or will speak about on this podcast, where who have released a lot of records, and I've listened to they've obviously say this is their fifteenth record. I have listened to literally all fifteen Duran Duran albums. In I don't own all fifteen of them, or but haven't owned all, all fifteen of them, but I have heard every single Duran Duran album. So you've kept abreast of what they're doing. Um, even during a time where, I mean, it's ridiculous to say that they're not at their nadir or commercial peak, but, you mm. know, where where they, I suppose when they were out of fashion, so to speak. I can't imagine yeah. Duran Duran having a very good 90s. No, but then the self-titled The Wedding Album, as it's known, obviously did spawn Ordinary World and Come Undone, both of which were were, you know, really, really big singles in the 90s so that thing okay. about you know duran duran not being a massive band um in the 90s it did still have a couple of hit singles it was literally just a couple i mean thank you the tribute album which is in broken records so i'm not gonna say too much about it now but um that's always seen as like a, a very very low point for the band and i think you know post that there was a kind of probably about a nine-year period where members left and then it's really um i suppose astronaut in 2004 was the album that they came back with where it was the the, the quote-unquote classic lineup the, the as original lineup of duran duran came back and that's the only album that they've they've made from that classic lineup um 
and coincidentally i have to say i think that is i think it's no it's no coincidence that that is the best 21st century or the best yeah well even from the 90s i think it's probably the best post 80s duran duran album wow in its entirety uh yeah i think so and it's the one that was um you know the classic original lineup of duran duran with sort of no massive outside influences because kind of as we get into it i think you know the reason why i started talking about um Nile rogers mark ronson um so the last record so paper gods had guest appearances from i mean janelle Monet was on that record Nile rogers was also on that record as well as producing it as well and over that period since i guess astronaut being the big kind of the re- the the kind of the because it was a reunion album it felt like that where people went oh my god they're back that was like the big comeback album astronaut and since then there have been a lot of contemporary artists who have kind of chucked their their um their ring in the hat so to speak and and spoken about Duran Duran as a, as a big influence so um we've had with mixed results if if i'm being honest i mean we've had the likes of animatronic from the scissor sisters appearing on a song with them we've had justin timberlake uh appearing on a song with them we've had timberland the producer of some note um performing as well kelis as well did a song with him i remember and um but for me it is really that album astronaut that was just the classic lineup with no features on it at all that remains the kind of the 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 closest duran duran have got to recreating that amazing uh, first three albums first three albums in particular i think are fucking stellar and um 90s is their first album since 2015 it's also 40 years since their debut album came out this year as well so oh, they've right. released an album for us, the debut self-titled Duran Duran album, 1981. Oh, yeah. And now we're getting this in 2021. It's pretty, pretty impressive, really. Mm. So I, I was sort of surprised. So, I mean, what you were in the middle of saying was basically you're a big fan of Duran Duran. And I, mm. um, I, I'm really just very indifferent um, because I was didn't really enjoy that synthesized 80s sound growing up i never really thought that they were for me because i think Mm -hmm. they're kind of the epitome of that kind of miami vice 90s uh sorry 80s synthesizer sound i I would say more or less Mm -hmm. well they're certainly you know they were one of the most commercial um commercially viable success stories they they come they came to be the kind of i think the the yeah like you say the epitome of decadent 80s pop music yeah yeah i think um, and and that had a lot of detractors at that yeah. time yeah even at the time they were never really cool were they duran duran really uh you're probably asking the wrong person because the, the time when they were most likely to be cool quote unquote was probably when just as i was born i would imagine in 1985 but yeah i think i think this is a slight generational thing just you're five years older than me and i think Mm -hmm. it's i think that's got a large part to do with why i didn't listen to duran duran and you did um but i'm completely and utterly i mean i'm agnostic on them i i don't have a strong opinion one way or the other on them i'm perfectly happy for them to exist i'm really impressed it does appear that Duran Duran have never really split up. Is that true, Steve? No, they haven't. I mean, like I said, there's been a lot of member changes over the years and there's been a fair bit of 
uh, inactivity and hiatus from the band over the years as well. But okay. I wouldn't say they've ever gone, we're going away and that will be the end of that sort of thing. But they have been relatively consistent um, in mm. terms of the uh, amount of albums they've released. 15 albums in 40 years is is not bad going at all. Um, if you think like a normal album cycle is like two years when you start as a band and that seems to be the case with Duran Duran and it slows mm -hmm. as you go you know going down from 20 to 15 albums is, is pretty decent overall it's more than Metallica have done uh, it is know. yeah so, yeah 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 it's it's um it's pretty decent yeah I, I I think so and you know like I say for me Duran Duran of particularly when you go back i would say kind of post astronaut you look at even the chart positions i mean I've got the, the chart position here for um red carpet massacre which was released in 2007 and like i say had timberland producing it and featured justin timberlake on it as well you would have thought with the patronage of justin timberlake um coming off the back of a pretty you know a pretty sizable success story for them in astronaut which went to number three and was certified gold and it's not amazing like particularly when you look at what they were selling in the 80s but it's pretty good for yeah. a kind of comeback record uh went to number 44 in the uk red carpet massacre mm. and um what are the reasons for that um well it's it's sort of it's hard to say really i think um one of the problems may well be that whilst duran duran have never really been quote-unquote cool they do a type of thing um, in that sort of very stylized, glamorous 80s synth pop way um, that is incredibly popular, if maybe not kind of critically adored. Um, but when they take slightly more tentative steps into mm, other areas, let's say, thank you, covering uh, <laughs> Lou Reed and Public Enemy probably not the best oh. idea um getting timberland on board uh justin timberlake mm, probably less so Nile rogers and janelle monet uh i think what i'm kind of i'm getting at here is for me duran duran are best when they're just being duran duran you know i think when they try and become a little bit more when they try and adopt more contemporary influences i'm less uh impressed with the results i think they they you know there are there are really good moments on literally every single duran duran album but they tend to be the less cluttered stuff in my mind when they just write a good pop song they can write a really fucking good pop song so when it comes to this record i have to say i was a little bit um i suppose concerned isn't really the word but the fact that we've got graham coxon from blur um with songwriting credits on eight of the 12 songs here mm. i think i don't know how that's going to work particularly we get guest spots from uh the japanese band chai from the rapper and quote unquote internet personality ivorian doll um singers swedish singer songwriter tovlo um and probably less worrying really is Mike Garson who has worked with Smashing Pumpkins, Nine Inch Nails, St. Vincent and most notably David Bowie dating all the way back to Aladdin Sane. Uh, he's a pianist. That's less worrying to me, mm. the idea of him being on there. Um, also, you've got Giorgio Moroder, the famous Italian uh, composer who has um, produced and co-written um, a 
couple of songs on here as well. It's the first thing he's done since 2016. I think um, younger people uh, might know that he worked on uh, the last Daft Punk album as well. That's one of the, the kind of big things that he did. And obviously he's incredibly influential in the synth pop universe. And so that's two producers uh, with Mark Ronson and Giorgio Moroder. And the third is Errol Olkan, the DJ who's been around for a very, very long time. Um, he's worked with the likes of Ride, The Killers, Franz Ferdinand, Mystery Jets, The Klaxons. And he was responsible um, under the alias Curtis Rush back in the day. He did a lot of mashup things. And he actually did, remember when Kylie did The Brits? And she did Can't Get You Out of My Head, but it was mashed up with Blue Monday by New oh, Order. Yeah. He did that. Oh, right. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So. There's a lot of personnel lot of, involved, though, isn't it? It's a lot of personnel involved. <laughs> I mean, look, a lot of cool names being chucked about there. Mm. Like, cool names. But then, um, I'm being kind of cautionary as, like I say, I don't think Duran Duran always come out of those kind of experiments with their best material. And with it like being 40 years since they last released a record i always feel like it's quite good to go into an album by a band of this vintage with slightly tempered expectations that's fair right maybe that's just because you and i listen to a lot of rock and metal and we're used to being disappointed by bands who have been around for 30 odd years releasing records i don't know um because that seems to be uh, is that more common in rock and metal than it is in kind of pop and because we like the Dylan album that came out last year was really great. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of some of, of other artists of that kind of like I guess Black Star by Bowie was yeah you know a kind of critically acclaimed record. We net we were always happy to get a new Nick Cave record. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do uh, think those artists are few and far between though. Really, I don't think it's super common for like we're always surprised when we're talking about a 15th or 16th or 18th or 19th studio album and it turns out to be really good or in some cases like with Nick Cave stuff not just really good but one of the best releases of his entire career mm. but I think those are pretty rare to be honest I don't think those are common at all no they're not you're right they're not um, certainly not but there is but they tend to come from a certain type of music don't they I guess is what I'm getting at they tend to come from a certain type of artist I think yeah um how would you, you want me to elaborate yeah 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 well I would say Bowie Nick Cave uh Dylan um who else did I say anyone else there's someone else didn't I uh I can't remember now Say Neil Young, would you chuck Neil Young in there? You can have Neil Young. I mean, you could have Neil. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't listen to much of his recent output. La Noise is really mm. good. That's the last one that I listen to frequently, which came out Robert Plant. Robert Plant would probably be a good one. Yeah. Okay, Robert yeah. Plant. All of those artists, particularly in that latter part of their career, were able to lean in much more heavily on a far more lackadaisical less energetic less bombastic more measured more mature quote-unquote approach to their music mm, yeah it's not really necessarily what you want from hard rock mm. it's not always necessarily what you might want from pop music either 
So, well, I mean, we recently did the Gary Newman album. We reviewed it this year, didn't we? And that was very good. Yeah. And that kind of feels like an exception to the rule where you listen to it and you go, this does feel quite contemporary and it doesn't really sound that old, but he is and has been around for a long time. Yeah. So, I mean, Gary Newman feels like a, a kind of better comparative point and a better mm. um, kind of exception to the rule than maybe some of the other people that I've spoken about. Mm. But I do always kind of go in with these ones and these these artists where I think when I think of you, I think of much more up-tempo, energetic stuff. And it's quite hard to keep that level of energy consistent for four decades. Yeah. Well, as a casual coming to this, whenever I think of Duran at all, inevitably it's the Rio era and, Mm -hmm. you know, being on the boat and all that kind of stuff. Like, I don't... I can't picture or imagine Duran Duran any later than that and that's right at the beginning of their career more or less as their second album yeah. um, you know and obviously I'm coming to this with a very kind of uh, you know I'm I'm very much someone with little to no knowledge on Duran Duran but that, that is kind of I think the common or garden perception of Duran Duran really mm. that's why I'm surprised that they you know they never actually split up or anything like that that they have basically technically always been a band even if they have been on hiatus here and there that was surprising to me you know yeah so this is the first Duran Duran album you've ever listened to in its entirety Renfrew yeah yeah first Duran Duran album I've ever listened to before what did you expect going in or what were what were your expectation levels going into it I was going to ask you that but um I don't I uh, because I well I think your answer will probably be more interesting, but because I didn't really know, I couldn't really guess if we were going to get a Duran Duran who sounded um, very much like the eighties, mm-hmm. or if we got a band who had been you know constantly revising their sound and what they did and constantly incorporating new technology and basically wanting to stay ahead of the curve and do something different. I suppose, you know, you could argue a bit like Gary Newman managed to do with Intruder. I think Gary Newman's a really interesting comparison for this record because I think both of those artists, the zeitgeist has kind of come to them rather than them going to the zeitgeist. I don't think either Duran Duran or Gary Newman has massively changed the foundation of what they do but releasing a Duran Duran record in 2021 I think releasing a Duran Duran record in 2015 when the last one came out is not is not necessarily a uh, not I mean cool is probably OTT but I think with bands like Churches and there's a huge synth thing going on in pop, it's not a bad time to release a Duran Duran record because people are clued into this sound and rather than <clears throat> rather than it sounding retro it actually sounds ridiculously contemporary because a lot of these sounds are in vogue at the moment but i don't mm. think duran duran have done a, a thing to their music to make it sound more contemporary i think they've just waited for people to come back to where they are which makes me wonder if that's what they've done their entire career and i'm i'm actually totally down with that and totally okay with that because i think duran duran have a very clear identity even someone to even to someone like me who does not know their stuff at all there were songs on here where i was like well that sounds like a duran duran song and i'm Mm. really not well versed in duran duran at all i think that's quite a stunning uh 
it's quite a stunning, stunning proclamation of how strong their identity is, really. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, for me, the what sounded like an atypical... I'll just go to one song before we get into the mm-hmm. review totally, but what sounded like an atypical Duran Duran song to me in completely and utterly positive ways was Anniversary. And there was something in Simon Le Bon's vocal melody, which is very, very Duran Duran-y. Mm. Um, I found it difficult to place it. And I found it difficult to explain why, but there was just a certain run of notes or a certain way that he's like anniversary. It goes like up at the end, like it just felt like a very, very Duran Duran thing to do, and it's a pretty big tune. I mean, it's probably probably my favorite song on the album. I think it's yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I mean, they do this sort of slinky sounding thing. Um, and then those kind of female backing vocals come on, which makes it sound even more yeah. kind of decadent and glamorous. And it's super sugary and lovely. But also you have, I think, who's my man of the match. And it's often my man of the match on Duran Duran albums, John Taylor on bass. Uh, John Taylor's bass lines really kind of hold everything together on Duran Duran. I think he's fucking great, John Taylor. And this is an excellent pop song, which is, I, they pitch, the thing about Duran Duran is they kind of pitch the best of their songs i think like part gary newman so you do have that cold icy synthy thing but they add that very mainstream pop sheen to it so it's like part gary newman part let loose if anyone remembers let loose do you remember let loose no one does do that. i do but i i did think niche oh, a niche yeah <laughs> but, <fine. laughs> but so let's say like Gary Newman, a, Gary Newman with less um, futurist, apocalyptic uh, Yeah, and vibes. more scouting for girls. <laughs> I mean, that's an insult, really. But, like, because scouting for girls are awful, obviously. But you get the thing. It's very, like, upbeat, up-tempo. And they're not always like that. But that's kind of... I think that's where Duran Duran's strength is, to be, like, super mainstream pop. Yeah. But also to be... To have this kind of undercurrent and backbeat of the more credible end of sort of synth music yeah i think that's That's what that's where i think they're at their best um you can ask me what i went in what my expectation levels were were going into it yeah well i was just curious based on let's say the last two records i mean what was your feeling on um i think it was well it was paper gods in 2015 wasn't it and all you you need is now now. 2010 all all you need is now is uh is, is all right i think Okay. Is all right. Um, Mark Ronson again. I mean, we'll talk about Mark Ronson a little bit. I thought Paper Gods was was good. I had kind of because I thought Astronauts great, right? And then Red Carpet Massacre. I was like that that thing you said about oh the mainstreams come back to Duran Duran. The zeitgeist has come back to Duran Duran. Well, I think they made a conscious effort to go to some kind of zeitgeist. Maybe a couple of years too late when Red Carpet Massacre came out and. I don't think that's a very... I think that the missteps on that album are some of the biggest missteps in their career. And I would even I would even include the the, the covers of <laughs> unsuitable material that they did on Thank You in that as well. Um, All You Need Is Now is definitely a better record than that. I think it was like... That just felt like a perfectly fine Duran Duran album. There's things on it that aren't great. There's things on it that are okay. And Paper Gods, I thought, was a, was another step in the right direction as well. Although, again, I think 
astronaut is 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 definitely better um so i was kind of going into it thinking i mean with all the context around it i was like i really hope they haven't kind of over egged the pudding again because i felt like for a few albums it's really you know been the last sort of 15 years or so there's, there's just been a lot of features and a lot of other people getting involved in stuff and i think often that thing it, it's easy to lose that unique thing that you have about your band and your character of your band if you over egg it with too many people i wasn't really too worried about um you know graham coxon coming in and playing guitar because graham coxon is great i did think it um, feels like quite an odd fit on paper right doesn't it i don't know does it it, it doesn't um, it doesn't um i mean duran duran and graham coxon don't scream you know brilliant collaboration or anything like that i don't think it's a bad collaboration either but it's not an obvious one i don't think particularly no 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 um but anyway so i was kind of going into it thinking because i guess when you listen to a band all the time if, if you're listening you're like well i, I heard rio and then i never listened to him and now i'm gonna li-. this probably sounds quite di- like not different but it probably would go oh i can see what they've done how much they've changed over the years but when you listen to them all the time those incremental changes you don't really notice them until you really go back and like putting this on i still go this sounds like a duran duran album but maybe it's because i'm probably more used to them having a go at doing some of the more contemporary zeitgeisty things but like you say the good thing about this now is that probably more than more than ever i was gonna say when astronaut came along because it was a big comeback and people did have a bit of you know the killers album came out around that time and that was very 80s sounding one day and it felt like people were sort of but not as much as now mm. not as much as now i mean we, we also on broken records spoke about vicious spooner and we're like you know kind of the americans got 80s in in the, the sort of early to mid noughties the americans got older synth popped in there and, and they were like oh we all you know we love pet shop boys and stuff now and then it went away very quickly but i think at the moment that's really become a thing again yeah, yeah just worldwide there are a lot of examples of it there are a lot of bands doing it and name checking depeche mode is very or whoever is very very cool at the moment so definitely i thought this is a really good time for duran duran to be releasing a new record yeah and it sounds to me i mean i would say that for the majority of the record the production is really crisp and and feels very contemporary because it sounds Mm -hmm. great but in terms of the choices made and the instrumentation made choices and things like that if someone had told me this album was recorded in 1981 i could have gone with that for the majority of the record which isn't a problem It, it, it isn't it's not a statement a positive or negative statement one way or the other it's sim- it's simply me saying that it doesn't sound like duran duran have gone to much effort to update their sound particularly at but at this time yeah but i don't think that's a massive issue i i i don't either and i think if you'd heard the times when they had done that and there are even a few bits on this where they do do that and i am like you you're there's a few things you're good at do that I, they're one I, of those bands. i think we agree <laughs> yeah i mean i think invisible the opener is really good mm. it's got a sort of icy mid-paced stomp it's quite chrome sound as well that sounds really 80s it's a sort of mid-paced grandiose opening to the record very very catchy exactly what you would want the, the duran duran opener the hook is exactly 
what I expected from a Duran Duran album in 2021. And uh, I wasn't disappointed by that. I think it's really big. I like it. Invisible's a good mm-hmm. song. Yeah. Uh, I think All of You is one of the more contemporary sounding ones from the first half until it reaches the chorus. And then it does go very kind of retro yeah. MOR uh pop and which listen you know this is a duran duran album we're not reviewing carcass or something (laughs) like it it is and it was and they should i think go into those territories i really like the choruses but i think the verses are are really great and i think it's kind of rare that you get uh a chorus which is less effective than the verse especially when you write especially when you write great pop songs like duran duran do i think Mm. all of you is good but i just actually i i find the chorus i find the verses more catchy and more chorus like than the actual chorus if you know what i mean Hmm, that's interesting i mean i think all of you i I suppose a little bit um uh rubbing up against what you said oh yeah i mean there's a sugary sense to it but i was gonna say like to me it felt very 80s dance pop Mm. this song really like Mm. it really um again it it just felt like another sort of song that i expected from duran duran in in 2021 and that wasn't a particularly bad thing another big hook um yeah. i don't know if i prefer the verses to the chorus i think the chorus is pretty big um yeah. I, like, I mean i like, yeah. i i do like the song i do i like i like the song i wasn't like having a go at all and then I, then we get give it all up which is our first feature of the album with uh swedish mm. singer songwriter tove low and i think that it is here where you can pinpoint where what i was sort of talking about um coming to fruition because for me she makes it sound way more modern i think it's a decent enough kind of electro ballad but the the problem is i that her being on it dates it to now weirdly yes i think that's true of well, even though we've been going yeah even though we've been going oh you know it does sound a bit like the 80s and stuff yeah she really dates it to like right this minute and like if you go back to you know the stuff that timberland did with them he made it you know you go you listen to that record now and you go fucking hell this sounds like the mid noughties but it sounds like an 80s band doing the mid noughties and i think they you'd be better off going this sounds like an 80s band doing a thing that they've always done rather than this sounds like an 80s band trying to do something more contemporary and i think just her vocals make it sound more contemporary i mean their sound has become kind of classic now mm. and i'd like to think of them as always sort of being that and i'm not sure the song itself will date but i think her vocals will there is something about most of the guest appearances on this record that somehow it no longer feels like a 80s thing and it feels far less like a duran duran thing as well um and uh some of the spots are better than others. Um, we're probably going to get into one which I don't think either of us are going to like at all. Yeah, I mean, I, let's be honest. Like Tovlo is not the worst person on this album <laughs> by quite a long way. Right. Um, I, th- it was. I think it was around this point that I also wanted to bring up. This feels like possibly shooting fish in a barrel. So maybe this isn't something to concentrate on. But Simon Le Bon's never really been known for his great lyrics has he <laughs> particularly <laughs> no not really no, no okay no. there's just uh, there were a few clangers on this record which um i wanted to bring up and give it all up <laughs> was the first one know that we are heading for tomorrow today which literally mm. if you deconstruct that sentence means absolutely mm. fuck all well it means that we are heading for tomorrow today. it's true it's I mean, it not is, untrue it as factually accurate is 
Like it's better than Lenny Kravitz going. Oh well, well I, I turned around and I don't want to turn to stone. And you go what, what, metaphorically, <laughs> or at least you know Simon Le Bon is like going to to today, tomorrow will be coming along, and we so, we need today to get to that. So <laughs> I mean, look, I'm I'm not I'm not I don't have a problem with the sentiment. I'm just saying it's not something that needs to be expressed. <laughs> not no no not particularly no. Uh, we talking we've spoken a bit about anniversary already. The title track is the first ballad. Now. Duran Duran ballads, Renfrey. Um, I'm going to put it out there because you might know a few, but I'm going to just say this. They can be exceptionally hit and miss when it right. comes to ballads, I think, Duran Duran. They can do stuff like The Chauffeur, which Deftones covered, oh, yeah, and is fucking amazing. Is it a ballad? I'm not really sure it was a ballad, but it's sort of a slower one. Might be the best song in their entire career. Might be. Yeah. Um Save a Prayer for Me Now, or Save a Prayer, as it is called, is also a massive tune, isn't it? I mean, that is one of the all-time big Duran Duran hits. You know that song, right? I'm not sure. Don't say a prayer for me now. Leave it till the morning afternoon. Don't say... You know that song? You must know <laughs> it that It doesn't song. ring a bell, wow. sorry. Wow, fucking hell. Ordinary World? You know Ordinary World's sort of a bit more ballad- balladic, isn't it? But I won't cry for yesterday. There's an ordinary world. Somehow I want to find. Mm-hmm. No? Yeah. I, you no, know that I, song? I don't, I don't, you don't know, know that song? Wow, <laughs> fucking hell. Okay, that's mad. Um, I mean, but they're not all good. So I would pick a song like um, like Serious from um, 1990's Liberty album, uh, which is a bit... Ooh, it's a bit... Mm, it's a bit too much it's a bit overly schmaltzy and the reason i'm saying all of this is the title track on this record is a little bit too much on the schmaltzy side to me um it is a little bit like the song that they did with justin timberlake on red carpet massacre it's just a bit of a sort of bloated non-event of a song and it's quite long and i'm not sure about it personally um i'm not sure about it either it sounds very toto to me which I was not expecting, I have to admit. Um, mm. I can't quite decide if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But I'm, I, over the over the five, six plays I've had of this record, I can feel myself warming to it slowly. But I don't love it, I've got to say. And I don't think it's what Duran Duran are best at doing. That's true. Like I say, they can do the odd good one. It's not even a proper ballad. Yeah. But I don't think this is their strength. Um, we get the first Giorgio Moroder song on Beautiful Lie, which almost goes into full-blown like perturbator territory. It's very 80s synth sounding. Very 80s synth. Full-blown electro retro. But still sounding quite energetic, I think. This is sort of classic sounding. All the elements to me feel very sort of um, like a warm nostalgia blanket being put over me it's one of the most 80 sounding songs on the record i think beautiful lies um and ergo i quite like it i think you can actually hear giorgio moroder on it which is one of the few times where you go oh cool i mean we'll talk about graham cox in a bit more in a minute but this is the first time where i was like ah somebody else who I was very recognisable. You hate it, obviously. No, I, I, I don't have... I've, I've got to say, I kind of... Every time I listen to this record, I sort of zone out for the next few tracks because it just feels 
I, I think this is what happens with a lot of 80s stuff. It just starts to sort of drift into the background for me a little bit. And I actually, I've just realised I actually have no notes for track six to track <laughs> nine. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> and considering I've sat at my keyboard every single time I've listened to this record, it's kind of surprising that I don't have any notes for those songs at all. Um, but I don't think either of them do anything that particularly offends me, but I don't think either of them do anything that... I, I, it is, I suppose those songs could sum up my feelings on this record as a whole, um, because I just kind of am like, yeah, it's 80s um it's mm. it's fine it's nice but yeah i don't have a strong view on those songs um i mean i i don't really like tonight united it's a little bit too cheesy for me it is one of those guys hey guys uh we need to save the world yeah make sure we save the world it's a bit like unite tonight it's not great um a lot of stuff about making a difference while you're walking in bare feet i think that was one of the lyrics Although saying that, I was second time around, I was singing the chorus by the end of the song. So I think they still know how to write a fairly catchy chorus. I just think that song is a bit like, it's a bit African child. You know I've I mean? found that a few times with this album. I think after two listens, if you'd asked me, are there any really strong, strong hooks on it? I probably would have been like one or two, but not many really. And then plays three, four, five. I'm kind of finding that I'm singing a lot more of it in my head, or just humming a lot along to a lot more of it than I realised, which is a pretty good sign. Um, but yes, I've, but yeah. I found that with loads of these songs, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, Would well, you got anything to say about Wing? That's the Mark Ronson one. Now, I think Mark Ronson has become really, really crap over the last decade <laughs> really crap everything he touches is crap right he did that awful queens of stone age record he's done maybe mm, the second worst duran duran record in in a while uh, he's done a lot of things where i'm like this is pretty bad and he was kind of cool in the mid noughties, I think, Mark Ronson. I think even if you don't like the type of music that he was making and the sort of people that he was hanging around with, he had an identifiable sound and he definitely had something about him. And yeah. you think, you know, he worked with Amy Winehouse, which is great. And even that record that he put out, that kind of solo record, which is just a load of like reworked covers, you were like, oh, well, he's definitely got a kind of identifiable sound, like a kind of modernist, a kind of postmodern take on the Phil Spector Wall yeah. of Sound esque thing. Definitely. But I think he's just completely lost the plot over the last decade. Completely lost the plot. And Wing, for me, is... Uh, it's, I think it sounds like Shirley Bassey, this song. <laughs> I think it's trying to be lausch and sexy. And it just sounds like a fucking working men's club singer with a Casio keyboard. I think it's rubbish. I didn't rate it at all. Again, fair play to John Taylor for at least giving it some vague bit of thud to mm. it with his bass. But Simon Le Bon in it, I mean, does sound crap. Mm. You know, uh, the thing about Simon Le Bon is, I mean, it's the second longest song on the record, that is, and it's, I think, the worst song on the record. As well. Too long. Um, uh, too long. Simon Le Bon is, he's got a distinctive voice, but I'm not sure he's a technically incredible singer. When you said, like, let's bring this up about Simon Le Bon, that's kind of what I expected you to say. Oh, okay. Rather than the lyrics. Because, yeah, the lyrics are, you know, they're pop lyrics and they can be a bit like whatever. But for me... Uh, Simon Le Bon um, 
he's got a distinctive voice and i think he does the things that he needs to do in duran duran but is he a fantastic singer i don't think he's a fantastic singer um he's not an amazing he's not george michael or something do you know what i mean he's not a great vocalist he's not a freddie mercury he's a he's a distinctive voice that helps this band sound like they need to sound um and when you get him on wing not sounding great he really doesn't sound great i mean weirdly maybe i was too distracted by his lyrics but i didn't really notice all that much i have to say (laughs) but i do think i mean wing is definitely one of the points where i look at the album and i'm like it's really taking a long like it's too long like i know that i remember that much i didn't really get the shirley bassey thing at all that's interesting (laughs) that is not a vibe i got from it at all but um yeah i mean i'm pretty disinterested around this point uh and my disinterest Uh, you know when i say shirley bassey i mean like you know just fucking cheesy sort of easy listening yeah i mean crap yeah there's there's a fair amount of that towards the end of this album yeah and i i feel like after that they could have really done with smashing the tempo right up and they don't do that at all especially with the start of nothing less which is the next song which is a better song like it's definitely a better song but it just kind of feels like we're at this point in the record i was like i kind of feel like we're wading through treacle a little bit and it's more of a sort of just a bit ponderous than anything bad but i think coming yes. off the back uh, they, they, they they need a bit of rejigging because i think actually like when we get to the very end of the, the record i think there's stuff they could have done to rejig the track listing that would probably have made the record sort of flow better and make it feel a little bit shorter um there's actually a quite a heavy, I mean, for Duran Duran, a very heavy guitar solo from Graham Coxon. I assume it's Graham Coxon uh, on there, which I didn't really expect. And I was like, oh, look at Graham Coxon trying to do like a Kurt Cobain guitar solo in the middle of a Duran Duran ballad. Like, fair mm. play to him. Yeah, yeah. And that's probably the most interesting thing about that song, to be honest. It's very unexpected, but even so, it's it doesn't really lift the song beyond the me kind of thing, does it, really? Mm um so let's get to hammerhead which starts like give it up by casey and the sunshine band uh fine then john taylor comes along gives it a lovely bass line lovely beat and they appear the to be sampling fantastic the, ba- yeah. the chorus the chorus on the bass line the chorus effect yeah. on the bass line mm. is lovely funky mm. as fuck love it yeah and they appear to be sampling the noise from space invaders as well on it. and i was like okay i'm into this this is yeah. good yeah They're i bringing agree those kind of backing vocals the chorus is good yep chorus is super catchy the really first good. time you heard it Lausch and groovy john taylor again it's great and then we get the rap from um the guest spot uh, ivorian doll ivorian doll ah <sighs> Oh mate, why did they put this in this song? Mm, mm. This is I think this is the most um I think this is the most startling example of a song sounding like a Duran Duran song that could have been from the era and then suddenly it's just jolt you're jolted out of that with this very really modern like 2010s onwards kind of soundcloud rap style verse it's not very good 
Um, I mean, look, I'm sure I know nothing about this artist. I'm sure she's all fine and grand on her own material. I'm sure it works wonderfully well. But on this song, it just does not work. And luckily, it is very brief. It is. Luckily, it is the brevity of it. But it's but it does, But it does ruin what has started out as a very good song. I think Hammerhead is a really good song and yeah. somebody comes along and fucking ruins it in the yeah. middle. Yeah, I agree. And it's, it's really annoying because you start off, you go, oh, great, they're back. This is this is really good. This is like, I was, halfway through, I was like, oh, this might be one of my favourites on the record. By the end, I was like, oh, it's maybe the worst. Yeah. One of the worst because that rap is so bad. It that has, rap is really bad. It has this sort of association <laughs> as well that maybe Duran Duran felt like they needed to do something modern and hip and bring someone really modern on to like bring more fans on or something like that but just totally missed the bullseye in terms of who they brought onto it I mean not to rip into this girl too much because you know who knows we don't know any of her other stuff this could just she could be brilliant and she could have just been phoning this in but you know this is not a good performance like it's just this really dull rubbish. no there's also a line we talk about lyrics i mean this is a lyric to pick up on all the women i've known the woman inside of me is coming to take me down i'm not sure if i've written that down right because as i said it as i say it i'm like that can't be the lyrics can it, it does sound a bit confused although i wouldn't be surprised if that came out of simon Le Bon's mouth frankly some of the, yeah. the crazy shit that he comes out with. yeah so is that some sort of admittance to the hashtag me too thing is he like <laughs> implicating himself in <laughs> some kind of me too thing i don't i don't really know i didn't really know what that was about um but that line really stuck out to me yeah it's a shame that because i think hammerhead could have been wicked yeah I think it could have been a really good song i agree and it just ends up being a little bit like oh well i started writing out notes for hammerhead when it came up because it's especially because it felt like a part of the album where i really woke up um the first time i was listening to it and i basically was like this is a great song late you know late highlight of the record and then um ivorian doll's voice came in and i just deleted everything i'd written <laughs> so, <laughs> so that, that yeah. says it all i think yeah mm. um more joy is a song that i think should have come earlier in the album yeah because yeah. again you know i believe it was one of the songs that they released uh from the record before the record came out i might just double check that yeah it was yeah came out in august sounds like the theme Um, to a children's television program about the future well i really love the fact that it's a really good mix of being very instant and having a very clear retro feel of it it's Mm. a really kind of tongue-in-cheek retro sound and it's got a little bit more of the modern stuff which is more popular now but it's it's almost like a little bit like hyper pop it's got kind of hyper pop vibes to it i think um not as obnoxious as 100 gex obviously i mean what is but um but it's got enough mad shit going on with graham coxon again doing a really odd guitar solo lots of j-pop style backing vocals about 15 different variants of woo woo wah ah on it which appears to be most of the song um and it's just a really really fun pop song and i really i actually really like that song and i was like this needs to come in between like 
you know, wing and nothing less, mm. just to pep the album up a bit more. Mm. I don't know why they're burying it on track 11. No, it does seem like a weird track to bury, especially as it's one of the only songs on the record, I think you could say, where they put some more modern stuff into it and it actually really works. So to bury mm. that is a bit of a... Sh- I mean, you're, you're sort of talking about J-pop there and hyperpop, and I don't disagree, but it it feels like it would have taken me several more listens to realize those kind of um associations because because it's of where it's been put on the album you know it's mm. just a really like putting it as the penultimate track nine out of ten times you the penultimate track is something that you just sort of want to hide almost you know i think i don't know if that's true but you know it's usually, yeah, well, usually not mean... something to write home about whereas this feels like it is one of the better songs on the record yeah I think so too. I mean, uh, the band who in there with them uh, are called Chai, who are a Japanese rock band of four women uh, who formed in 2012. So, you know, this is a new band who are getting yeah. a pretty significant push yeah. from a, yeah. you know, it's probably good for both of them because like I say, there are there is that kind of, um, that hyper pop kind of J-pop thing. I don't know if Chai would be upset about being described as J-pop, but I think certainly they've got that... Um, that japanese we talk we've, we've reviewed a fair bit of kind of eastern and, and japanese music previously on the show in, in from various different genres and there is definitely a sensibility to that which is one of excitement i think yeah. and they do bring that to that song and i think whilst you know to compare duran duran to fucking charlie xcx or 100 gex or whatever is clearly a little bit ot to, is well over the top they do at least sound like they're aware of that stuff and are going well or how can us the, the uh the kind of nearly 60 year old men incorporate that into our sound and that is an example of them doing it very well I yeah, think. yeah where it's not too over the top it's not too abrasive and it's not too alienating for a previous fan base but yet there's just enough there for me to go oh cool you're obviously paying attention to like what is still going on in the world and you're incorporating it into your very distinct style of music that you make yeah which is funnily enough the complete opposite reaction we had to the previous song where they tried exactly to put right. something modern in and yeah. it's just like no this doesn't work you're ruining it um mm. but yeah that's not the case with more joy at all no i think it's actually a very good song and yeah. falling uh which is the very last song is a very icy sounding piano led slow number i mean like i said simon Le Bon, not a great singing voice but a distinctive voice um he's maybe not got quite enough power to pull off the gravitas which they're trying to create with fall in um but you know i think this song is fine it's musically a sort of quite a good sort of smooth jazzy number but it's basically a showcase for mike garson the the pianist really isn't it <laughs> yeah. who i'm sure they're very happy and honored to be working with due to the type of things that he's been you know that his his association with david bowie who i know are obviously like massive massive influence on duran duran and who a huge yeah. huge hero to duran duran um but he's the star of this song in the same way as david hefgott uh kind of stills emotion sickness by silverchair you know, in all that, although I have to say, Emotion Sickness by Silverchair is a way better song than this, to be fair. Emotion Sickness is a fucking yeah, brilliant song. But, song. but those that pia- those piano parts on that song are obviously like the standout thing for it. I don't think that's insulting to Silverchair. Um, 
Mike Garson really steals this song and I think he elevates it probably beyond what it would have been without him or definitely what it would have been without him I this might come as a surprise but I actually thought this was a really lovely way to end the album I think generally I agree with you that I prefer Duran Duran um, being sort of upbeat and poppy and this is I mean arguably poppy but it's certainly not upbeat it's very dour it's quite a sad ballady way to end the record but I mean for my money it is comfortably the best ballad on this record yeah uh, comfortably um and i actually think simon lebon you know despite his flaws as a lyricist uh, sorry as a vocalist um there's actually something in his performance because it is ever so slight like because it's not perfect i actually don't mind that on this particular song at all i actually think it kind of um adds to it and it's almost six minutes long but you know by far the longest song on the album but it doesn't feel like the longest song on the album at all um which actually leads me to something else, just about the length of the record as a tool, uh, as a whole. Um, whilst you know, my whilst my feelings on this record sort of go up and down to the point that by the end of it, I'm just like, meh, that's all right. Um, it doesn't feel like an album that is. Oh, I think it's 51 minutes and mm. four seconds. It felt like a much much shorter record than that. Um, it felt more like, I don't know, 42, 43, whatever. But I was quite surprised. Um, I think I counted up all the songs and the time lengths and stuff like that after maybe the fourth listen. And I was quite surprised that it came above 50 minutes. Uh, so I don't think it feels that long because, I mean, it's quite it's quite varied, isn't it? You know, there is a there is a lot going on in and around that core Duran Duran sound. Um, and it is a bit of a roller coaster, but you know, I can't say I was ever bored by it. I zoned out a few times, but I don't. I think zoning out and being bored are different things, almost. Yeah, I I, th- I think there's a there's a there's a low point around the middle, like I say, exactly. from kind of tonight United wing nothing less. It re- it really does kind of. Yeah. There's a big old dip in proceedings there, undoubtedly. And I think, yeah, <laughs> it could have been solved by moving more joy to track number eight yeah arguably yeah and actually for me just binning off mark ronson and getting rid of wing if this was 11 tracks you'd then be looking at an album which was 48 minutes long around about 48 minutes long, 47 48 minutes long it would be 11 tracks and i would probably go well there's you know when i look at the track listing i think like what do i give a pass to i was sitting there a minute ago and i was like well it's probably like six out of the 12 so it's half the record so you're looking at probably like a six out of ten for the record but then actually just because tovlo is like makes it sound more um contemporary i don't think give it all up is a bad song it's actually quite a decent enough song and hammerhead you're only really looking at 30, 30 seconds, seconds of, the, of, yeah. of the whole song yeah. the rest of the song is great so then you would go okay well that's now eight of the 12 songs i mean yeah i would say um i think that's those quite fair. those yeah. those three and i think obviously future past which you said you didn't mind which has got a massive a really catchy chorus i don't think it's one of the better songs on the record but i mean i just about go you know that it warrants its inclusion i would keep it I, on there yeah 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 i think nothing less is all right 
It's only Tonight United and Wing. I mean, if I was being super brutal, I'd turn it into a 10-track record and I'd get rid of Tonight United and Wing. I'd just bin them off completely. And then I think you'd have a really good record. Mm. As it is, I think what you've got, you've got a, which is fairly, I think, atypical of bands of, of this age and this era, is like fair play to Duran Duran for trying lots of stuff and they do still appear to be trying lots of stuff but unsurprisingly they're at their best when they're doing the thing that they're they've at their best for 40 at. years yeah. yeah and I am more than happy to listen to Duran Duran songs sounding like Duran Duran songs maybe that's just me maybe that's just me but I am always like I don't want to go back to the ones with fucking Justin Timberlake on like I don't need that do you know what I mean like it's never been something which I think is um, which is really essential for their sound. I don't think they need it. I will go back to, like I say, Astronaut. I listened back to Astronaut to kind of, because um, I'd listened to it for a few years, but I listened back to Astronaut and I was like, this is a really, that's a really strong record from top to bottom. And it's basically just 2000s production with Duran Duran songs. Mm -hmm. and, and they're really good songs. And there's nothing that is, there's probably more stylistic deviations and there's probably more risks taken on that record on this record than there was on that record but that record is just a really concise simple brilliant pop record from beginning to end pretty much and i think this could have been that as well but then it's really hard to turn around to a band who released their first album 40 years ago this year and go tut tut you tried some new things particularly when occasionally they they come off yeah. like more joy it does come off there it does yeah, yeah you know you got to jump to land um and they jump and you know they might break their ankle a couple of times on this record when they land but um i i, I it's it's i i admire duran duran for continuing to try and do that stuff and i think there's enough here that has made me go yeah do you know what this is this is broadly a pretty good album mm. i definitely agree with your view that it is a pretty good album with just a few snips here and there, taking a song off or two songs off, could have made it a very good album. Maybe getting rid of a couple of the guest spots and stuff. Um, which is a shame, because it's sort of close, but not quite. Um, but the stuff that is good on it, you know, I, I, I think it's really decent. And I can completely and utterly see that core Duran Duran sound, and I can understand um, why... It's interesting to listen to a whole record and one which you'd probably place in the middle of their discography, wouldn't like roughly? Yeah, roughly, yeah, yeah. And I would say that, you know, would I go back to this record? I'm not entirely sure I would, but with the knowledge that this is like them cruising, I suppose, mm. that does make me want to listen to more Duran Duran. So I'd probably go back mm. to the band, but not the record, if that makes sense. I was going to ask you that if it has made you kind of interested to hear them at their their peak at all. Well, I know I'm going to anyway because <laughs> <laughs> you, you picked because um, I'm going to make you do Rio. Yes, because yeah. you've picked Rio for classic, classic albums. albums. Um, but I would um, actually be tempted to go beyond that as well. Um, yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's anything. I think it might be a bit too sunshiny and a bit too Miami Vice for me to ever truly love it, but I can definitely appreciate it a lot. Mm. Definitely. Yeah, good. I mean, they've got, you know, they, they the Duran Duran singles collection, if you got all of their singles, I think you can get a, like a, a singles box set of Duran Duran, which is fucking astonishingly, but like absolutely brilliant. But there are 
album tracks peppered throughout their entire career which are fucking brilliant as well which no one ever talks about um but we will talk about them one day but overall yes i think i broadly agree for a 15th album 40 years down the line for it to be uh this um i guess kind of bold and and brave and and, and just interested in what's going on in, in current music and to at least have a go. Like, you can't have a go at them for having a go. I don't think it's necessarily the, the best idea for them to have a go, but you can't have a go. You can't slag them off for trying. No. Yeah. Um, and when there's enough songs, I mean, I would, you know, if I'm going to make a, a, if I'm going to make, if I was to make a playlist of like Duran Duran songs, which I like, uh, you know, and I want to listen to, and when I would be happy for them to play live if I went and saw them live. There's at least four or five on here, which I think is, That's you know, is, is, which is what you, the most you can expect. You know, what we say when bands like Foo Fighters and Slipknot yeah. release records now, like all you expect are, you know, maybe two or three songs to add to the live set. I mean, that last Foo Fighters album, I'm not sure they've got one song on that that I would want added. And, and you know, and they formed fucking 17 years after Duran Duran. So, yeah, true. you know, uh, I think this is a pretty good effort. And no one's expecting it to be the best album they've ever made. No one's going to buy this and then go, right, I'm going to go and see Duran Duran now and go, boo, when they play Hungry Like the Wolf and go, I want Hammerhead, boo. Like, no one's going to do that. So it's fine. Uh, but overall, this is good. If you're a fan of Duran Duran, then you should check it out. If yeah. you're not and you're intrigued to listen to a classic band um, making a slightly more contemporary sounding pop record in 2021, you should check it out. And then you should go and check out uh i'd say certainly the first three records which are all fucking excellent okay and various other potted highlights which i will um talk about another time because we've done an hour talking about duran duran mm. i'm amazed i'm amazed i was Super. able to to do that <laughs> <laughs> i'm amazed I've, I've managed to have the wherewithal to cut myself off after an hour <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, thanks very much for listening. We'll be back with our weekly podcast this week, and we're probably going to chuck out some other reviews as well. We've got the new Biffy Clyro album. We've got uh, Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes to talk about. Devin Townsend's got an album coming out as well. So you might see one or two of them popping up quite soon. But for now, that's it. That's been us chatting about Duran Duran. The album is called Future Pass, and it comes out on Friday the 22nd of october so go and have a listen to it then cheerio